Well, good morning. Welcome. I'm Pastor Allen. Hopefully I greeted you coming in. If not, uh, welcome. Uh, we teach in series around here, meaning I take a topic and talk about it for multiple weeks. We're in week five of Imagine Heaven based on a book by the same name that came out in 2015 where a man took near-death experiences, about a thousand of them, over 30 years study and compared them with the Bible and, and uh, that's kind of what we're looking at. It's pretty exciting. So we're glad you're here. If you missed one, uh, one or want to catch up on Facebook, you can actually watch the, the video on our website or the audio of these teachings. Um, didn't the band sound great this morning? I'm learning some new songs. Can't sing them until I learn them, but yeah, they sounded great. Appreciate that. All right. Judgment Day. Now, we hear the word judgment, and if I ask you the question, are you a judgmental person? I don't know what answers you would say, but whatever your decision about that is, you just made a judgment, didn't you? Uh, I tend to be a person that tries not to be judgmental. Uh, I don't like judgmental people, but right then I've made a judgment, haven't I? So you and I make judgments all the time. We all do this. Some are serious, some aren't very serious. Uh, the question is, when and how do we make judgments? Because we need to, it's important to make judgments. Parents, you make judgments about who your kids hang out with, right? Exactly. So we make judgments. And then the other topic today is hell. Now that's a topic we don't talk about too much. We don't like to talk about because uh, it's not pleasant. Uh, did Jesus talk about it? Yeah, he talked about it actually a lot. So uh, we'll look at something he said about it in a few minutes. So as we looked at these near-death experiences, it's kind of seemed like everybody went to heaven, doesn't it? So I asked that question, does everyone go to heaven? Uh, we hear all these, they see this person of light and this person of love and this beautiful city and streets of gold and we see all this stuff. But back in week one, we said that 23% of these near-death experiences, these are people that actually died, no brain activity, uh, and then they are resuscitated or brought back to life. Um, 23% are reported as negative, which means there's probably twice that many, right? Because if you had a negative near-death experience, you're probably not going to tell anybody about it, are you? And in fact, some people probably just block it out. It's so horrendous, they don't want to think about it. So, this topic or these topics may make you a little uncomfortable. I'm sorry about that. Hopefully, you'll feel a little more comfortable uh, after we're finished. So again, does everyone go to heaven? Just because this topic makes you uncomfortable, if you don't like it, there are other things that, that we don't like. It doesn't mean it isn't true, is it? Some of us like to eat fattening food, and we don't like the fact that it makes us fat, do we? Uh, we don't like the facts that bad things happen to good people, that we can say, claim as good people. Uh, getting old. We might not like the fact that we're getting old. Uh, there's lots of things we don't like. Doesn't mean it isn't true. And so if you're a little uncomfortable with topics today, it doesn't mean they aren't true. And here they are. Again, the two topics are hell. We've been talking about heaven. Well, there are a lot more people who believe in hell, I mean heaven, than they do in hell. But if there's going to be good, there's we would think there's got to be bad also. And then Judgment Day. Actually, we're going to talk about two 
judgment days. There are actually two different ones described in Scripture, and we kind of get them confused. And after, actually one of the stories we're going to tell seems to, to encourage that. Actually, a story Jesus, Jesus told. So, if there is a heaven, and if there is a hell, how do you end up here instead of there? Or how do you end up in heaven? Well, <clears throat> some people believe it's by doing more good stuff than bad stuff. Uh, most of us here would not believe that. We believe in it's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you get here. So if it's by grace through faith, the next question is, what role do my deeds, my actions play? Or lack of deeds or, or negative deeds or actions. What role do they play if I get in there by grace through faith? Does it matter? So I thought we'd start off here with maybe the clearest place I can find in, in the Bible that explains to us how you get in heaven or how you get into a personal relationship with God. It's in Romans chapter 3 and we'll just go here. It is, it's pretty clear, especially in these more modern translations, exactly what it says. If you want to look it up in some other translation, that's fine. This is the New Living. Everyone is sin. What, is, what does that mean? Who's Everyone. It means everyone, right? There's no exceptions to everyone. Everyone is sin. So if you've got some grandma that you think is perfect, she's not perfect. <laughs> All right? Uh, the Pope's not perfect for Catholic background. Nobody is perfect. Everyone is messed up. Everyone has done something wrong, thought something bad, whatever, treated somebody unkindly. Everyone has done that. If you don't like the word sin, everybody's done some, something bad. All right? <clears throat> Consequently, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Because what is God's standard? No sin. Perfect. All right? Kind of like in baseball or softball. Anybody, Tim, anybody have a thousand batting average in, in softball this season? Nowhere near. Nowhere near. Okay. All right. Kind of the same way with us in life, right? None of us get nowhere near 100%, a thousand, about a thousand in life. <clears throat> That's God's standard. Once you messed up once, you can't ever reach 1,000. You can't ever reach 100%. It's impossible. 99.9, but you can't get there. And so all of us fall short. So it's universal. Everybody's included here. Nobody's exempt. So that's our unsolvable problem, right? That's our predicament. So I can't do anything about that. You can't do anything about that. So we get to the next verse. It says... Yet God, so I can't do anything, so God decided to do something. Yet God, in his grace, that means he just wanted to be gracious. It was because we deserved it or, or we didn't motivate him to do this in any way. He freely makes us right in his sight. All right, there's no cost. It's free. He did it. He is going to make it possible for you and I to be made right in his sight, to be reconnected with him because that sin separated us from God. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sin. Well, how did he free us from the penalty of sin? The wages of sin is death or separation from God. So how did he, how did he do this? Well, the next verse tells us. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Payment had to be made, so Jesus paid the price. He didn't sin, so he didn't deserve to die, so he could die in our place. He paid the price, paid it in full. So people are made right with God. How, or how, how can I do this? How, how do I get into heaven? Clear as can be. When they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So it's an act of faith or belief or trust. 
right? It's not more good things than bad things. Uh, you're thinking you're a good person. That's how you get there, all right? Pretty clear. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead, including them and what he could do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Got to be right or just. It even says fair and just. And he makes sinners, all of us, right in his sight, if or when they believe in Jesus. All right? That's pretty clear, right? If you believe in Jesus, you're in. If you didn't, you're not in. I mean, if you're not in, you're not in. So I wrote on your outline this way. We are saved when we place our trust in Jesus Christ. Are you reconnected with God? Or you spend eternity with him? You get to go to heaven when you die. All right? If anything else would work, if you could do it yourself, do you think Jesus would have suffered and died on the cross? You think God would have sent him to do that? Parents, would you sacrifice one of your children? No, none of us would do that. God wouldn't do that if there was any other way. But that was the only way, so he did what was necessary so we could be, be his creation could be reconnected with him. <clears throat> so again, we go back to that question. Well, if we're saved by faith, or by trust, or belief, why do my actions even matter? Right? I can't not get in. I'm in, all right? So, I tried to explain it the best I could. Here we go. <laughs> we don't do good things in order to be loved by Jesus or to be accepted by Jesus or to get into heaven when we die, all right? That's not why we do good things. We do good things because we are loved by Jesus. Now, hopefully you had loving parents and you loved your parents in response to their loving you, right? Same thing with God. God loves us so much, our natural response should be to love him, not to get on his good side, not to, for his, so he'll like us because he doesn't like us when we mess up. Um, the good thing, bad thing thing is just so insecure, isn't it? You know, if I, if I had this terrible fight with my wife and I get out in my car and I start driving fast and, and I run into a tree and kill myself, and it's like, well, did I get kicked out because I just had this terrible fight with my wife? So, <clears throat> once you believe you're in, we do good things because we are loved by Jesus. So then how, again, how do these actions, or how do these actions matter? Well, we're going to see it, there's a connection to eternity, and we're going to see it. We're going to look at two judgment days. First, judgment day for those who are Jesus followers, and if you're not, we are delighted that you're here. We hopefully this information maybe causes you to want to become a Jesus follower. Um, two judgment days. So we're going to look at the one for Jesus followers first. <clears throat> Christians will be judged in heaven according to their works. But not as far as, oh, we're going to kick you out if they don't measure up. Uh, in fact, you can't get kicked out, right? Okay? If you trusted in Jesus, you can't get kicked out. <clears throat> so I put it this way on your outline. Judged means, for a, a Jesus follower, means to be rewarded. There's a, a term, a bema seat or judgment seat of Christ. So, there is a judgment for those of us who are Jesus followers. 
But it isn't that, okay, you did this, this, this is bad, you're, you know, I'm going to send you to hell judgment. That's, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, this is to, to, to determine your rewards, okay? Now, some of us think, well, I'm just, as long as I get to heaven, I, I'm happy. Well, that's fine, but the Bible teaches there are rewards for what we've done here on earth for those of us who are Jesus followers. Now, Paul describes it with his, his analogy. I want to read this to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Anyone who builds on that foundation, I don't have the whole passage here, but that foundation is Jesus, okay? That means you're in, you're a Jesus follower, you're trusting Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation, all right, you already have the foundation, can use a variety of building materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, and straw. The last part kind of sounds like the three pigs, but anyway, um, I, I build stuff. I've never used gold, silver, and jewels. I've used wood. I never used too much hay or straw either. But uh, um, this is the, the illustration he's given to us. Now, there's two ways to, to mess up a building. One is to have a poor foundation. Some of you may have lived in an old house or had some grandparents, somebody lived in an old house, and all the floors sink to the middle. You know why that is? Because they don't have a good foundation. They, they stuck up a, a pillar or two pillars in the middle of the foundation, and they didn't give it a, a, a sufficient uh, foundation underneath. And so all everything, and I, as a carpenter, I hate <laughs> working on houses so out of level, out of plumb, right? So that's the reason. You can mess up a house big time with a poor foundation. The other thing you can do is use inferior materials, right? If you use crummy materials, uh, they won't last. It uh, won't make a good product. <clears throat> so, on this foundation, we've got a good foundation. If you're Jesus follower, you've got per perfect foundation. Can't get any better. All right. The only other issue is what you're building on and what you're building with. So he goes on, he says, but on the judgment day, the Bema Seed judgment, those of us who are Jesus followers, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. So you and I, you know, spend all the days doing different stuff. Some of it has value, some of it doesn't have value in eternity, all right? And in this analogy, then the stuff that doesn't have value is just going to be burned up, disappear. It's not going to be rewarded, right? If the work survives, next verse, <clears throat> That builder will receive a reward. So, you know, you, you, you stopped and helped somebody with a flat tire and helped them change it. And that was something that was deemed rewardable. Okay, so you get, you know, you get one check mark or, or, or whatever in heaven. I don't understand what the rewards are exactly. I just know this is what the teaching is. You will have rewards. But if the work is burned up, if it's something probably selfish, most of our selfish stuff probably isn't going to be rewarded, the builder will suffer loss. A great loss. The builder will be saved. You're on the foundation. You can't be kicked out. All right? You're saved. You're still in heaven. You're still with God. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flame. So there's a principle here. Here's the principle. Those who are faithful with a little will be entrusted with more. And that leads to the parable, the story that Jesus told that kind of, kind of builds on this, this teaching of Paul. <clears throat> it's called the parable of the talents. Uh, that was a Greek measurement of money. And uh, that's where we get our word talent, like our band members are talented. I have no musical talent at all, even though my son was the person's up here. Got it from his mom, didn't get it from me. Uh, some of you have other talents. I have other talents. So uh, that's where, the, where we get that, that word from, from this story. 
But this story is about judgment. <clears throat> so here it is. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. All right. The man in this, in this story is God. <clears throat> he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. All right. Now, with talents, we think of abilities, right? Uh, one of the great resources you and I have is time. Now, none of us have all the same time. We all have the same time in a day, but none of us have the same lifespan, right? None of us have the same amount of money. None of us have the same uh, abilities, right? right. But God has entrusted, and the time, we say it's my time, my money, my talents. But this says, whose are they? It's God's money, God's time, God's talents that he's given to you and I. Really important to understand that. So, there's three different characters in the story. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. So some people get more than others. God can do what he wants, right? Um, he divided up in proportion to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. So I've always believed I've got as much money as God can trust me with, all right? So if you're poor, maybe God can't trust you with very much money. <clears throat> Same thing with abilities. And uh, possibly even with time, I don't know. So, he's given those, what belongs to him, to us. And we are responsible for managing it. Or using it well, right? And that's what the story illustrates. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. Pretty good deal, right? Uh, The servant with two bags of silver also went to work. So there's work involved. There's energy, effort. Uh, using these, the, these things entrusted to us. And he earned two more. So he didn't earn as much, but per- percentage-wise, it was exactly much. He, he doubled it. But then it was the third guy. And the third one received the one bag of silver. And, and kind of, you know, I see this sometimes. Some people think they're not very gifted or talented or God hasn't given them as much as somebody else. They kind of resent that. And maybe this guy did that. One bag of silver, he dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now, he understood it was the master's. It wasn't his. After a long time, you know, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus. We think it's a long time. Well, Jesus said it's going to be a long time. The servant who received the one bag of silver, oh, excuse me, uh, after a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. So there's going to be an accounting someday. We're calling this Judgment Day, all right? You're going to be accounting, uh, accounting, or we're going to have to say, okay, this is what I did with what you gave me, good or bad. <clears throat> the servant who had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five to invest, and I've earned five more. So what's, what's the master's reaction going to be? And what would your reaction be? You know, what would your employer's reaction be? Kind of the same thing. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You did good. You've been faithful in handling a small amount. Seemed like a lot, of, but he's categorizing it as small. So now I'm going to give you many more, notice the word, responsibilities. Again, we're talking about judgment. Let's celebrate together. So there's going to be rewards if, for stuff that we have done of value. 
And part of that reward is somehow going to be more responsibilities. Now, I think of some responsibilities of being a burden. These responsibilities will not be a burden because there's going to be something that we celebrate together, right? So we get to the next guy, two bags of silver. Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I earned two more. What did the master say to him? Well, you should have made five like the other guy. No, no, no. What does he say? <clears throat> well done, my good and faithful servant. The exact same thing. Pretty cool. You've been faithful in handling this small amounts, and I'll give you many more responsibilities that celebrate together. Same deal. All right. So if, you, if you're a two-talent person, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not about how many talents you have. It's how well you use the talents you are given. Then we get to the third guy, and some of you know the story. And the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I would lose your money. I was afraid if I used my talent, somebody would make fun of me, or I'd, I'd mess up. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. Now, he didn't lose it, but he didn't use it. So what's the master going to say to this guy? Well, at least he saved it and gave it back to me? Nope. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. There's two basic reasons why this guy didn't use his talent. One, he hated the master. He was harsh. Most of us don't like harsh people. He said, My ma- you're harsh. I hate that. The other is just lazy. And all of us probably at times have been lazy and not using what God has given us, right? He said, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money, at, at least deposit it in the bank? <coughs> at least I would have gotten some interest on it. So at least, you know, invested enough to produce something of value. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant, give it to the one with ten bags of silver. Don't know exactly what that means. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. So that's the explanation of the guy with ten getting an extra one. And they will have an abundance. But those for whom, who do nothing, even with the little they have will be taken away. Because we all have talents, times, and and uh, money. Now this last part is kind of problematic and I don't know exactly how to explain it. Now throw this useful servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It sounds like separation from God and that would be a mixing, mixing analogy of the two judgments and maybe that's what Jesus is doing. Or maybe it's just this, this sense of, of regret and, and, and wastefulness. So Jesus, this teaching teaches us those who are faithful with a little We'll be entrusted with more. So if you even have a little, just be faithful, you'll be entrusted with more. So consequently, the decisions we make now with our time, energy, and money, and talents form the foundation of your life forever. They're going to be rewarded or not in eternity. Okay, so that's the judgment of believers. What about hell? What about the judgment of unbelievers? Well, it's called the great white throne or final judgment. And we're going to read this passage from Revelation where John is describing this to us. 
And it's going to be referred to that, that great white throne. Um, but here's my summation of it before we get there. Hell is not God's decision to live without you. Jesus, God so loved the what? World. God so loved everybody. God desires that everybody come spend eternity with him. The death of Jesus pays the price for how many people's sin? Potentially everybody's sin, okay? So it's not God's decision to live without you. God doesn't send anybody to hell, all right? It's your decision to live without God. We probably all met those people. Hey, uh, yeah, I want to go to hell when I die because that's where all my friends are going to be. Well, no, you really don't. But uh, they flippantly think that. So let me be honest with you. You're not a Jesus follower. I, I want you to rethink this this morning. All right? That's part of my goal. So let's read the passage, and then we'll watch a video of a guy that experienced some of this, and then we'll have a song and let you go. The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophets. So come of his, his, you know, followers. They, there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So we're going to, those in heaven will be celebrating day and night, even though there's no day and night, this forever and ever. Uh, consequently, the other flip side, it seems like it should be kind of similar. So it is. He said, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it that was God and the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. So nobody can hide. Nobody can get out of it. All right. There's no missing it. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. Everybody's there. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now, there's some accounting and some books. I, I think in modern technology, it could be on a computer. But anyway, they didn't have books 2,000 years ago. They wouldn't understand that. I saw the dead, both great and small. Oh, and it, next slide. The sea gave up his dead, and death and grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. All right, again, this is those that aren't Jesus followers, and the, the, the deed that they're going to be judged on is what? They're going to, you're going to see all these sins, all these bad things, all the selfish things you've done, and then you have no excuse, right? What can you say? Yeah, that was me. That's what, that's what I've done. And since you have not accepted the gift of Jesus to pay for all these sins, you will pay for them yourself. You will suffer for eternity. Then death and grave were thrown into the lake of fire because in eternity, the new heaven and new earth, there's going to be no death, right? And no grave. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book, if it not trusted Jesus Christ, they're thrown into the lake of fire. We're going to watch the, uh, the video of a guy we've seen, the art professor who actually died in his 30s in Paris, France. I mean, he's American, but he was visiting Paris. And uh, he had a negative near-death experience. Fascinating. Listen to this, please. Did you think you were dead? Well, there was one more disturbing thing that I couldn't understand. The bed that I had been in had a corpse in it that looked like me. But I knew, no, I thought, I didn't know, I thought 
how can that be me? Because I'm standing here feeling great. That's me. And I'm alive. Makes, makes no sense. I don't know why that's there. But it's not me. I'm me. You know? And uh, I heard people outside the room calling me by name. Howard, come now. We're waiting for you. Come. And um, who do you think they were? I asked him, I said, are you from the doctor? I'm sick, I need surgery. I've been waiting all day, I'm very sick. And they said, we know. We know everything about you. We're waiting. No more time to wait. Come now. I mean, in this, I'm trying to imitate their kind of syrupy, sweet invitation to me. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, they're going to walk me to surgery. What else is new in this hospital? You know, of course you're going to walk, get walked to surgery. <laughs> you know, um, only the best. Only the best. <laughs> and uh, I left the room and went into the hallway where they were. And they walked me and walked me. They encircled me um, and made sure that they directed me. And the journey went on and on and on. And it went, it seemed like hours, days, on and on and on. And as we went. Which is kind of confusing, but time wasn't really the same. There, it's very weird, but there was no time. Everything, there was no past print present or future, everything was just in this big now. That's too weird to get into. Um, and eventually, I realized that we were going into complete darkness. It had been so gradual that it took a while for me to figure this out that, you know, I can't see anything anymore. And the other thing was that the people who had started off with these kind of sweet voices were now like, move it, keep going. Don't ask questions. Shut up. Move. You know, and like, all right, I'm done. I want, I so, want out of here. So this is, I mean, this is really eerie, but I think really important is, in essence, you had the same experience initially as everybody. You felt great. You were more alive than ever. And you have this really nice welcoming committee. Right. Just didn't turn out that way. Yeah. Um, next time I'm looking for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Well, keep going. Yeah. Talk about it. You know, he did say he would come and take us to where he is, you know, um, and I'm believing that. And anyways, uh, I said, I'm not going with you any further. And they said, oh, yes, you are. You've got further to go. So I am not um, the world's leading authority on what happens in the netherworld in the underworld, in the hellish shield pit, the abyss, the valley of the shadow death. But I've been there. How many people can say that? Uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think that yeah. is what Jesus was talking about when he said the outer darkness? Jesus talks about, actually, Jesus never used the word hell. He talks about being cast into the outer darkness, his weeping and gnashing teeth, and he talks about Gehenna. Gehenna, which was the garbage dump of Jerusalem. And this uh, fit the bill on both accounts perfectly. So what, I mean, what happened that radically changed your life? 
When I refused to go with them any further and they wanted me to go deeper into us, we fought and this uh, battle went on and on and on until eventually there was nothing physically, emotionally left of me to resist anymore. I was all, I was strewn about. I was eviscerated. I was um, um, total pain, total humiliation, total violation and stuff that um, I have never talked about and I have no intention of ever talking about because they're, they're really bad at what they do. And it was, I was about to say good at what they do, but there's nothing good about what they do. I mean, they're very sadistic. And uh, I called, uh, I remembered in this place of complete hopelessness, which is the most profound about that place. But it's, it's hard to describe unless if, if any of you, you've been there in a place of complete hopelessness. Um, in that place, my memory remembered my childhood and, you know, this um, childlike, simple trust and belief in a guy by the name of Jesus. And I, I had nothing except that little memory. And I remembered believing that and feeling that, and I, and, I, and I went for it. You wrote in your book that you just remembered three lines of a song. Jesus loves me, la, la, la. That was it. Some woman gave up her Sunday morning to teach Sunday school. And I don't remember her. But when I go to heaven, I'm going I'm to kiss her hands and thank her. And I never gave that gift to my kids. I raised my kids as atheists. And they bought it hook, line, and sinker. And I've got to suffer with that for the rest of my life. Maybe not. Maybe we're not. We're going to pray not. Yeah, we're going to pray. When I felt that, Jesus loves me. I called out in that darkness, Jesus, please save me. I didn't mean to sound like a Baptist, but I did. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he came. <laughs> you, said, you said you saw a pinpoint of light. Yeah, I saw, of, I saw this, kept growing like a little and... star, and it got so bright over me that it was like, it wasn't scary, but it was like, whoa, whoa, this light is like too bright. It's, you know, it's like, am I going to be consumed in this light? And when the light came over me, not only did I see how really horrendously disemboweled and disgusting and putrid I was, but hands and arms came out of the light, reached down, touched me, and all that gore dissolved away, and I was intact and whole again. And much more significantly was when those hands touched me. I was filled with a love beyond any experience of love that I've ever had. Wow. <clears throat> Hell? It's a real place, separation from God, however you want to describe it. It's horrible. We want no one to go there. We don't want you to go there. Um, can our screen back up here, please?
Hell is not God's decision to live without you. He doesn't want to live without you. It's your decision to live without God. So you, not we, but you are saved when you place your trust in Jesus Christ. Hell can be avoided. Let me pray for you and the band will come with one final song. Uh, Father God, we thank you for heaven and the fact that those of us that are trusting Jesus uh, won't have to face any kind of punishment or torment uh, forgiven through Jesus. Um, But others that have rejected you, uh, they reject you here on earth, why would they want to be with you in heaven? Um, God, I want to pray for anyone here that maybe has never stepped across that line. Maybe they just for whatever reason, uh, and maybe something that was said today uh, opened your eyes, opened your mind, opened your heart to the fact that, yes, I, I need to trust Jesus. And you can do that as I'm praying. Yes, Jesus, I trust you. I trust in your death and your resurrection in my place to pay for my sins. I want to live for you. I want to be that, that servant that, that you've entrusted uh, these things to. For most of us, Jesus, our Jesus followers, Uh, I hope we take seriously the fact that we are managers of our time, energy, and talents and money and that we would use those wisely so that your kingdom be promoted here on earth as well as these rewards we might get in heaven. God, we thank you for your presence here today. We pray for those decisions that need to be made. In Jesus' name, amen.